Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. This is the problem with doing, not doing a podcast every day, especially during the NBA season, is that there's so much happening every night now that while I organize and decide on a topic, three more subjects, events, whatever that need to be parsed happen. But I'm going to stick with what I originally planned, which is two parts to this particular podcast. Now, sometimes we have to go looking for the right way to do things. And sometimes the universe just hands us something as to how or how not to do something. Puts it right in our grill. We got that this week, courtesy of Steph Curry and Kyrie Irving. And the beauty of it is that so often we're making comparisons of what you should or shouldn't do, and the circumstances being compared aren't quite the same. An extreme example of this is anyone using individual stats, say, to compare LeBron James and Michael Jordan, as if they played under the same rules in the same system, with the same teammates, during the same era. It's one of those tell me you don't really follow the NBA without telling me you don't follow the NBA or that you already have a preconceived notion and you're just looking for evidence to support what you believe. Not what you know, not what you've seen, but what you want to believe. By that measure, by the way, Russ Westbrook is the greatest all-around player to ever play in the league because no one has turned in more triple-doubles than he has. If you want to talk numbers and define player performance by them, follow baseball. It works there. Basketball never has. I doubt it ever will. Now, I'm dedicating this episode to Tom Brady and LeBron James, the two athletes that we have admired and lauded for defying their ages 
and continuing to play at an extremely high level. Two athletes that we also see have reached the point where the sacrifice to be great is higher than ever. And how the two of them seem to be facing that demand in starkly different ways. Now, I will say, this may not interest my younger listeners as much as it does me or my older ones because they haven't faced this point in their lives yet. The point not just where you have other people's wants and needs intruding on your own, but where you have to adjust your goals because you are no longer capable of doing what you once did. If you don't have a dog or kids, and certainly if you're not married, you probably, or let's say a committed relationship, you probably haven't faced the challenge of chasing your own dreams and goals and taking care of your dependents. Looking back, I didn't fully appreciate just how single-minded I could be and the advantage it gave me that I was flying solo, essentially. But you will, my younger listeners, at some point, and by considering the way Tom and LeBron are approaching this challenge now, when it comes time for you to deal with what they're dealing with, you may be able to choose more wisely than you would otherwise. I'm not saying which choice you'd make, just saying you might make a smarter choice or at least you'll have a better sense of what the potential consequences are for choosing one path over the other but first before i get to tom and lebron i want to address the perfectly laid out example of how and how not to make a statement on opening night in the midst of the warriors ring ceremony Steph Curry gave a shout-out to Brittany Griner. He literally used the word shout-out, so I'm not making light of the statement. He noted that it was her 32nd birthday and that she was still incarcerated over in Russia, that he and the rest of the Warriors were praying for her safe return and that they hoped everyone was doing everything they could to bring her home. It's the perfect way to put it, seeing as none of us really know exactly what Biden and the government have done attempting to get her home. That's President Joe Biden. In light of the war in Ukraine and the U.S. part in it, I can see we're getting Russia to cooperate on anything unless we abandon Ukraine. might be impossible. And whatever your political leanings are, whether you like Griner or not, whether you think her trouble is of her own making by having CBD oil in her luggage, Steph's shout-out was a classic gesture. And Curry then moved on and brought out a woman in the Warriors front office that I'd never heard of to recognize her contributions and to present her with a ring in front of the crowd. Another classy gesture. One night later, Kyrie Irving made a similar mention of Griner, taking the mic and addressing the crowd before the next season opener and talking about the spiritual journey he and his teammates were about to embark on and reminding everyone that Greiner was still locked up in Russia. I'd love to know if he would have done so had Steph not done it the night before. We'll never know. But in typical Kyrie fashion, he didn't do it quite the same way. Aside from all the frou-frou talk of spiritual journeys, and from my experience, people talk about spiritual journeys after they've completed them, not before. Because... There are spiritual quests, but that's something you're seeking. 
not something that you declare you're doing. But Kyrie couldn't leave it at just reminding everyone that Griner was still locked up. No, he had to scold someone. In this case, President Joe Biden. POTUS, he said, please, please do your job. This is at the heart of the living contradiction that is Kyrie Irving. He would like us to believe he is a spiritual man, an enlightened man, a man who unites, not divides. But he's also a man who routinely finds fault with how everybody is doing their job. The media, Steve Nash, the CDC, Adam Silver, and yes, the president. A man that retweets Alex Jones of Infowars. Not a man of spirituality and enlightenment, Alex. A man who terrorized a community by claiming they faked the death of their grade school children. I can't imagine losing my kids at that age, much less being called a fake in the midst of my grief. It's unconscionable. And this is who Kyrie the Enlightened claims kinship with on some level. Irving then proceeded to go out and give an awful performance. The Nets got smoked by the visiting New Orleans Pelicans, 130 to 108. Kyrie shot six for 19, 0 for six on threes, finishing with 15 points and a plus minus of minus 18. And I couldn't help but think someone, somewhere, maybe a lot of someones, everywhere, who heard Irving's remarks before the game and then watched him play thought, how about you do your job? I sure had that thought. And that is one of the dangers in finding fault in others and calling them out publicly. And it wouldn't have hit me as so wrong if I hadn't read earlier in the day a Twitter post by Griner's agent thanking everyone who has been supportive of Griner during her ordeal and acknowledging the effort that is being made by all concerned to rescue Americans. Her agent's name is Lindsay Kagawa Colas, and she has the tweet pinned if you want to check it out. It includes a video in which the narrator notes that President Biden has told his administration to engage with the Russians at every level to bring Griner home. The video asks that Americans come together to work on bringing all Americans illegally detained elsewhere back to their families. It was a powerful, unifying message. I just think if anyone would know if our government is doing everything it can to bring Griner home, it would be Colas. And if anyone should take issue with what is or isn't being done, it should be Colas but not Kyrie. All right, back to the topic I really wanted to get to. Two aging superstars in two different sports approaching the challenge of still chasing greatness at an advanced age in two different ways. Now, I don't know about any of your friends, but mine expressed their shock and dismay the other day that Brady, at age 45, chose to play another year of football over staying married to supermodel Giselle Bündchen. My guess is he didn't choose, like most men, because he didn't think he had to. He thought he could do what he wanted to do, play football and still keep his woman. He could have it all, 
It might take some negotiating and some promises, but he could find a way to get her to go along with it. My guess is that what him leaving training camp for the family vacation, that's what that was all about. Look, honey, I'm putting you and the family ahead of football. I can do it. I will do it. You just need to meet me halfway. I doubt she straight out told him, I am divorcing you if you play another year of football. But Brady is clearly is of the mind that he can find his way to competing for another Lombardi trophy and is willing to sacrifice just about anything to do it. And then there's LeBron. LeBron seems to be going the other direction. Does he want to still win? Yes. But is he willing to sacrifice everything in order to do it? I don't believe so. He's been more of a family man than ever. And I'm not saying that he wasn't before, but he's advertised the fact that he's more of a family man than ever. Working out with his two sons, talking about his desire to play with his oldest, Bronny, before he retires. Is he as invested in winning as before? Does he still believe he can win another ring? Brady is yelling at his linemen. LeBron isn't yelling at anybody. Or even counseling them. That has been left to Pat Beverly. That's what I found funny about the video that showed Russ not joining a huddle called by Pat Bev to bark instructions to AD and LeBron. I saw people comment, look, LeBron is willing to listen to Pat Bev, but Russ isn't? And I was thinking, why the hell is Pat Bev the one talking? Why isn't LeBron rallying them, or at least participating once Pat Bev brought them together? Now, Brady also isn't talking about the what the Bucks don't have. Even though he's lost several weapons from last year and the team is struggling and they don't look quite the same. He's only talked about, we just need to get better. We need to do this. LeBron, LeBron, after the first game, talked primarily about what the Lakers don't have, which is shooters. And I can't help but think about how Steph Curry handled playing with a compromised team two years ago. Yes, I'm using Steph Curry as an example of what to do, what not to do. Steph Curry didn't gripe about what he didn't have. He just tried to make the best of it. He saw the long game. Now, I credit LeBron making a course correction after the Lakers lost to the Clippers and say he wasn't going to talk about what they didn't have after every game, but focus on what they do have and what they need to do. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. He realized what he said after the first game was not the thing to say, and, of course, corrected. But as my colleague, my FS1 colleague, Nick Wright, loves to point out, this is year 20 for LeBron. I would hope by now his understanding of how to lead would be second nature. But then, LeBron's leadership skills have always been inflated. 
Ask anybody on his early Cleveland teams who the leaders of those teams were. They will tell you it was Eric Snow and James Jones. Or in Miami, it was Dwayne Wade and Udonis Haslam. When he returned to Cleveland, that was the first time he seemed to understand what it took. But he is not a patron saint of lost or simply uncertain causes. I know I've been over this before, but let me reiterate. Someone with the Lakers last year, uh, in a, a podcast, several podcasts ago, I showed the evidence of how it was clear that LeBron was chasing the scoring title more so than trying to keep himself in the best condition and give him the, most, the, the best possible chance of leading the Lakers to the most wins. Well, someone with the Lakers last year confirmed for me what I observed. LeBron decided, this is what I was told, LeBron decided last year that the team was not good enough to compete for a title, and therefore it made no sense to put his effort toward winning as many games as possible. Instead, he decided to chase something historic for himself, a scoring title at age 37, which I don't and didn't have a problem with. He's been making business decisions like that his entire career, and it has served him pretty damn well. The problem I have is with the people who tried to tell me he wasn't doing that and the people that want to claim that LeBron is every bit the competitor Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant were. That doesn't work. LeBron's overall approach to his career right now strikes me as far healthier, though, than what Brady is doing. Everyone has a right to do whatever they want with their careers, and I fully appreciate how unique and thrilling it is to play a professional sport and how hard it must be to let go. Hell, I miss competing, and I didn't do it beyond the collegiate level. But at some point, it's about living a full life and realizing there is more to it than your job or your passion. LeBron truly seems to understand and appreciate that. And I don't know if Brady does. If he did, it's hard to imagine he'd make the choice that he made. Or maybe that's the price of greatness for some guys. And maybe the price of greatness for some guys is different for others. Some get to the top because they will sacrifice everything to do so. I was once like that with my career covering sports. I wanted to be the foremost authority on the NBA. It's a, it's a moving target. You have to stay in it. It's a little bit like being an athlete. Like you can be the greatest one year, and the next year somebody's coming along to knock you off. I felt like I got as close to that as I could at the height of my career at ESPN. Now I'm shooting to be one of the foremost authorities. Because I got married, and I had kids, and I had to spread my focus. I believe that that shifting and that wider perspective informs me in a different way, gives me a more balanced view of everything. But at the time, I shifted to doing a full-time radio show so I wouldn't have to travel as much so I could be a dad. I wanted to perfect my craft as a radio host and still write as well as I could and cover the league or follow the league. But I also wanted to be the best dad I could be and the best husband and the best coach, having the chance to do that as a result of being more stationary. And it was important to me 
to do that because it's what my late dad did with both my brother and me. He coached me up until high school and then went back down the age ranks and coached my brother up until he went to high school. I had the chance to do the same thing with my kids. And had I chosen not to do that, who knows, maybe I'd still be at ESPN. But I don't regret any of it, not in the least. And I don't think LeBron will regret how he is approaching the end of his career, even if he's not publicly acknowledging that his priorities have shifted. I can only wonder if Tom Brady will be content with his. I want to touch on one last thing before I go. As I mentioned, the number of subjects that I want to touch on have piled up. I want to make sure everybody interprets what transpired in the Clippers 103-97 win over the Lakers. What happened and what it means. Number one, the close score and the fact that the Lakers were competitive does not mean that they are nearly as good as the Clippers or that if they just start making threes that they can be on par with the Clippers. The Clippers got into, for some reason, into one-on-one basketball in the third quarter, which led to a lot of turnovers and led to them not utilizing all the skill that they had. Paul George going one-on-one, Reggie Jackson going on one-on-one. The ball did not move. Players did not move. And that's when the Clippers, or any team, quite honestly, is at their worst. It wasn't a function of the Lakers' staunch defense. Yes, they gave great effort. Yes, they played better. But as you saw in the fourth quarter, when the ball moves, the Clippers simply have too many weapons. The second part is this idea that if the Lakers just can knock down shots, that they knock down shots in practice, and so that if they can just translate that to games, that they're capable of of shooting the three ball better in games. It's just not true. If that was the case, if it was just a matter of practice or replicating what you did in practice in games, finding a way to do that, then pretty much everybody would be great free throw shooters, great three-point shooters, great shooters at whatever they practice. But there's a huge difference. It's why all the videos, I just saw one recently of, uh, I think it was a 16-year-old girl, um, little video one-on-none, makes a move, gets to the rim, dunks. Everybody's like, she's only 16. Look at what she did. Okay, I, it's impressive. No question, it's impressive. But it doesn't mean she can do that in the game. The game is different. And the ability to shoot threes in the game just don't depend on the shooter's ability to knock it down from that range. In the NBA, the timing, the passing, the amount of time a player has when somebody's closing out on them. All of that matters. Their form and their ability to shoot it a little bit quicker, as is necessary most often in games. All of that matters. And historically, the players that the Lakers are relying on aren't capable of doing that. Certainly not against the best competition, which is what they have faced so far in the Warriors and the Clippers. Now, what I found most curious or interesting is the fact that Tyron Lue let that one-on-one 
unraveling happen. And I could only imagine it was because this was their first game and it gave them some great tape to be able to show the team this is what happens when we don't play the right way, when we don't share the ball, when we don't take advantage of what our greatest strength is, which is share the ball. We have multiple weapons. We have multiple weapons in complementary roles. Paul, you don't have to do it all by yourself. So I'm assuming that was the case. I also see it in both. This happened with the Warriors too. Their comfort playing the Lakers is such that they don't mind allowing the game to get away from them from a period because they know that when they bring their best out, that their best is better than the Lakers' best. We saw that with the Warriors in the first quarter. They ran with their second unit, Dante DiVincenzo, James Wiseman, Jonathan Kaminga, against the Lakers' starters when Darvin Ham brought them back. Let him stay out there. Steve Kerr let him stay out there. Had no problem. And in the Warriors' case, they actually outscored the Lakers' starters. With the Clippers, they gave the lead away. They allowed the Lakers to get some momentum and feel good in front of their home crowd. And in the end, it didn't matter. And I can't help but believe that Tyron Lue knew it wouldn't matter. That's where the Lakers are. And trying out Mo Harkless or anybody else is trying to patch a leaky tire. I tried to warn everybody, this was not going to be a Lakers team that was going to compete for anything. And that sooner than later, LeBron was going to shift his attention to the scoring title because that's all he really has to play for. And as I said at the beginning, I don't fault him. I don't fault him for anything that he is doing with his career. Been a massive success. Tom Brady as well. I'm just looking at the choices that they're making now, both of them, and I find them interesting, in part because it's something that we all face at some point in our lives no matter what or how we define success. It's how for all the apparent differences in our respective lives between you and me and LeBron and Tom Brady, we have something in common. We're trying to do this thing life the best that we can. And being famous, being wildly wealthy or successful in our given profession doesn't absolve us or doesn't free us from still having to make challenging life decisions. And before I wind up making this too lofty, I'll stop. So that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And your comments, reviews, ratings, all of those matter. They matter to me. I pay attention to them. So please feel free to give them. This is where normally I tell you what's going to be in the next podcast, or at least what I'm shooting for in the next podcast. But there has been so much happening that I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to make a false promise. Just know that it will be coming out again in the next couple days, and I'm going to try to keep that rhythm or that pace, that schedule going because there's a lot going on and a lot I want to share 
And with my TV responsibilities being reduced for the time being, it's giving me a lot more time to get out there to a lot more games and talk to a lot more people. And you are the beneficiary of all of that. So, in the meantime, until the next time, thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 